Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. All right. Well, officially, welcome. And uh, it's nice having Justin here and leading the singing. Um, from the perspective, I, people don't realize it, you know, I love to sing. I love to sing, but I don't love necessarily to sing in front of people. And so if I mess up, it just brings out all the willies in me. And, and then it carries into the message. You know, so if I mess up on that middle set, I'm just like, oh, man, you're such an egghead. You know, da 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 and then I just carry this in. But when I'm weak, then he is strong. So maybe I ought to lead and mess up, right? Anyways, um, because then I go cocky into the message, and then I got to be humbled. So anyways, we have been looking at the book of Proverbs now for quite a few weeks. And, um, and in it, there we go, um, this is where we're at. We've considered the introduction to the book of Proverbs from chapter 1. And then we looked expositorily, if you would, through the first couple chapters, looking at the fear of Yahweh, the possession of wisdom, the propagation of wisdom, the portrait of wisdom, the pursuit of wisdom, and the path of wisdom. And we have slid into this next section now of the pearls of wisdom that come from the Word of God. And this section is more topical, but again, we want to deal with this topical thing expositorily. And so what we've been doing is going through Proverbs chapter 3, um, looking at these first pearls. And so we are running up now into verses 5 to 8, where we're going to look at our fourth pearl, and that is trusting Yahweh. And so you can see it on your screen, or you can look at it in your Bible, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, okay, where it says, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Okay? So, as we look in this passage, okay, it's going to become, hopefully you'll see, it's going to be a direct, um, um, uh, oh boy, transition straight from the last one, and that is mercy and truth. Does anybody remember what the Hebrew words were? Chesed Nemet. Good. Chesed Nemet. And what was the importance of Chesed Nemet? When we're told to bind mercy and truth about our neck. Why? I know this goes back two weeks. It's kind of rough. But why was it important to bind Chesed Nemet upon our neck? It's a garland, but why? What was the, what's the, the most critical part about Chesed Nemet? Come on. Okay, we're going to go back. See, this is why I joked with Justin. I said about a message I heard from Moody Bible Institute where the guy said, preach the message three Sundays in a row. People won't remember it anyway. <laughs> By the third week, they'll start saying, I think I heard this before. Anyways, Chesed Nemet. Who? Who is Chesed Nemet? Ah, okay, ultimately, Jimmy, Jesus. But Yahweh is Chesed Nemet. That is his name where Jesus, when he comes back at the... the um, the Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon, he's coming down in the white horse, Revelation chapter 19, tattooed, tattooed, on his thigh is the name Faithful and True, Chesed Nemet, Chesed Nemet, okay? And when we stand before the Father, when we stand before the Lord, and he says, you know, what have you done with the stuff I've given you, right? And we say, well, here's the five talents, and I've, I've invested it, and i got five more talents, what will he say to those servants who did according to his will? Well done, my, my good and faithful, my faithful and true servant. Okay? Big deal. Yahweh is chesed nemet. So he expects those who follow him to follow him in chesed nemet. To be, remember, uh, faithful and true. Okay? Faithful, chesed, like, the, like a level. Emet, like a plumb line. So it's like taking the, the um, post level and putting it on there and making sure the bubble is where? Does anybody remember? Dead center. It may be, in a sense, between the lines, but if it's not dead center, it's not 
level. Zach, I see you, right? You've done a lot of carpentry, right? Okay, so I shared this two weeks ago. You're running a counter, and it's a 20-foot counter, and the, the bubble's between the lines, but it's touching the right line. What's it going to look like 20 feet later? Four inches off. Okay? I'm telling you that it's got to be dead cent between them, or it is really not level. Okay? Yahweh is chesed and emet. He is unchanging. You can rely upon him. And that's where we play into this, where we're told to then trust in Yahweh. Why? Because he is chesed and emet. So, we move into the command that we're told here, and that is the word, um, or that is to trust in Yahweh. In the Hebrew, it's the word batach, okay? And so you see all this flying up, okay? But batach, note, is to rely upon or have confidence in, to have a sense of security or safety, because you can have this reliance upon things, okay? And so, as we come through, you can look at these later, but I'm going to kind of fly through some of these for you to give you an idea of what these are. But in Deuteronomy 28, in fact, I forgot to print them on here, so um, I'm going to rely upon my memory here. Deuteronomy 28 is in the, the curses that Yahweh has given to Israel when he's talking about how he's going to allow another nation in against them. Okay, And he's going to come, and those nations are going to attack them, and they're going to overcome the walls which they had batach in. They had confidence in. Their trust was in their walls. Okay? So that kind of gives us an idea. Okay? Judges chapter 9 um, is the, um, when, um, I believe that was in, uh, Abimelech was, was attacking, um, uh, oh, my mind's, Shechem, Shechem, okay? And the people of Shechem, rejected Abimelech, and they turned and they placed their trust in Gaal. Gaal. But then Gaal left them. Okay, so what we're going to see here is that these are all illustrations of people putting their trust where? In men or in something other than Yahweh, and it fails them. Okay? Judges chapter 18. Somebody, you're either? 18. My mind is... Oh, the spies of Dan. This is good. The spies of Dan. So... I have my little note here, but not the verses. So the spies of Dan. So they, they go out. They, they don't want what God gives them, right? They don't want their property because uh, it's just not good enough for them. And so they go up north and they're looking in the mountains, right? And they get up to the mountains and they see this area of this region where there are some Sidonians living there. But the Sidonians are living without walls. Good. They're, they're living without walls. They're living in security and safety. They're living with batach. They just, they have confidence. And confidence in what? Confidence in their Sidonians. I mean, who would attack them? They are Sidonians. Well, the, the five spies look at them and they go, wow, what an easy target. Because they're relying upon themselves. They're relying upon their, their legacy, their heritage, if you would. Make sense? And so they go down, they tell the tribe of Dan, they said, man, we're going to get up there. We're going to find all these people who are just living in security and safety in Petach. Okay, they're, they're all this trusting in, in, in nothing, and, and then they go. And so what did the tribe of Dan do to these people, um, these Sidonians living there? Anybody know? They put them to the sword. Yeah, they kill them, and they take their spot, okay? So they are not trusting. But in Psalm 62, David talks about placing our trust in Yahweh, and Yahweh not failing. And so in the book of Proverbs, if you would, since we're there in Proverbs, we want to run through these. Okay, without me messing things up here. Okay, so let's look at the book of Proverbs. We see in chapter 3 where we're at, but go to ver- chapter 28, Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. What word do you think it is? What's our word batach? Anybody know? Bold. Bold. So think about it. So put the word secure, trusting, confident in there. The wicked flees when no one pursues, but the righteous are what? It's confident as a lion. So you're going to go nose to nose with a lion. Does a lion back off? 
doesn't back off. Why? It, it's got confidence, right? Well, that's what a righteous man ought to be. If you're walking in the righteousness of Christ, you ought to have be as confident, secure, strengthened, trusting, if you would, as a what? As a lion, okay? Proverbs, uh, uh, say, chapter 28, verse 25 and 26. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in Yahweh will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Verse 25, our word is the word trust. And so what do we learn about it? If you're trusting in yourself, we're going to talk about this in a moment, okay? But if you're trusting in yourself, you have a proud heart, okay? You're going to stir up strife, but if you're trusting in Yahweh, you're ultimately going to be what? prospered and then verse 26 he who trusts in his own heart is a what i didn't say it who said it god said it okay i mean this is it if do you not i mean what is one of the mantras of of the of the world just trust in well not just yourself but your heart follow your heart your heart will lead you right the heart is deceitful above all things and what Desperately wicked. God says he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Who do you believe? Hollywood or God? Do you get it? I mean, sadly, our nation is following the, the mantra of, of Hollywood. Just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow Yahweh. That's what the word of God says. He whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Okay? Chapter 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in Yahweh shall be safe or delivered. Okay? So the fear of man brings a snare, so therefore I shouldn't be, as uh, Elijah, you were saying, right? The fear of man brings a snare, so therefore I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in fear of man. I'm going to live in faith in, in Yahweh, and Yahweh's going to keep me safe. Okay? So that's our word, batach. And um, you can see... Down here, New Testament. It's like, New Testament? I thought this was Hebrew. It is. But do you know, realize that um, just as the, the Bible, the Old Testament was translated into Greek, so the New Testament has been translated into Hebrew. And it's fun sometimes to be able to look to see how, when the New Testament was translated into Hebrew, what passages were, were used. And so I'm not going to look at all of them. You have them on your sermon note sheet. You can look them later for this is further study. You can look at all these things later, right? Check them out. Okay? But Philippians 1.6... Anybody, can anybody quote me Philippians 1.6? See, roll it out, David. Good. Being confident that he who began the good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident, being assured, being trustworthy, setting my security and my hope in it. I can't finish it. I can't do it. Left to myself, I'm going to blow it. I always blow it, as Tammy said, right? I always mess this thing up, you know? But I'm confident that he who began the good work in me, who is that? God, Christ, right? He who began the good work in me will continue to perform it to the day of Christ, okay? Hebrews 3, verse 6. Anybody know it? It's a great passage. Turn there. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. This is the other end of Philippians 1, 6. Hebrews 3, verse 6. I'm going to start at verse 5 of the context. Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence in the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. I know that he who began the good work in me will continue to perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. How do you know that I know? When I die. If I held fast to the confidence to the end. Does that make sense? I say that, but I can say a whole lot of stuff. Did you really know that I used to be the President of the United States? Delusions of grandeur, or... Or opposite. Anyways, um, and so, 
I can say anything I want, right? It doesn't necessarily what? Make it true. You can tell me that you're saved. You can tell me you're a believer. But you telling me doesn't necessarily what? Make it true. Those who know him will continue to be faithful to him all the way to the end. That's what we just read. That doesn't mean that you won't stumble. You'll stumble. We struggle with sin. However, your confidence in who Jesus Christ is will be maintained all the way to the end. Do you realize that's what's the difference between me now and me 35, 40 years ago? When I used to sin, it didn't bother me. The only time it bothered me was when I got caught. Why? Because it usually brought negative consequences into my life, and I was bothered by the negative consequences. It didn't bother me that I sinned, but now when I sin, the Holy Spirit is within me, and He convicts me of my sin, and now it bugs me to no end because I am going against, I'm defying my Father who loved me, and Jesus Christ who died for me, and I can't do that. If you can sin and it doesn't bother you, you've got to be careful because you're walking in a false confidence. Let's get back to our word. Okay, so we have this word betach, but there's another, the Hebrew word, mitach, or mitbetach. So it's mivtach is what it really is, but in the Hebrew again, if you remember, I, I like to do this a lot, okay, there are the, they put a letter prefix on it, which is, becomes like a preposition. And so the letter maim, when added, so, so it's mitbetach, but when they would say it, they'd say mivtach, okay? And so, but it's, in my brain, you can say mitbetach. Okay? When they put the name on it, it means with. And so it's with betach. So if betach is, is trusting, reliance, confidence, security, then mivtach or mivtach means with that, right? It just kind of makes sense. And so in the book of Proverbs, again, you see that as well. Okay? My point in showing you all these, and you can look at these later, okay, is that this word is used quite frequently. Okay? And in every way, it talks about the reliance and confidence that we have on something. Right now, every single one of you displayed faith and confidence when you came in today. You may not have thought of it, but you did. How many of you, when you walked in today, got down on your hands and knees and looked underneath that thing you're sitting on to make sure that all the legs were there? And that they were, you, you did not, you liar. Okay, we're going we're gonna to work on, on lying next week. Anyways, and so, not a one of you. You walked in and you, by faith, with great confidence, trusting in this apparatus called a chair, that it would hold you. Now, for some of you, it's not a big deal, right? But for others of us, that's a whole lot of confidence. Make sense? Okay? And so we operate in this all the time. People talk about having faith. Well, that's good. Everybody has faith. But if my faith is only, and I know I went out of the, the realm of the, the thing, my faith is only a piece of plastic because I'm turning on the light, let there be light, and I hit a, a little switch and the, the lights come on, my faith is in a, in a, in a bad object. It's not going to get me to heaven. But my faith and my trust has got to be in the proper source. And so I'm told that I'm supposed to trust in Yahweh. Trust in Yahweh. There's a whole lot of things that people are trusting in. And so my challenge to you today, as we look at this, is to ask yourself honestly, what are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? I trust my wife. But honestly, I know my wife is a sinner. That sounds awful, I know. You're glad Brian's not saying it. He'd been hit right now. Anyways, I'm just joking. Okay, Marcia says, wait till we get home. And so, she's just going to prove it. No, anyways. But, but, but the reality is, I know that my wife will fail me at some point. Why? Because she's not God. She's not perfect. If I place my full faith and trust in her alone, it's going to be dead. My trust, my confidence has got to be in Yahweh alone. So, the command to trust. The caveats then, 
are, are given to us in the passages. Trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh with all your heart. We are to trust in Yahweh with all our heart. So that leads me to Deuteronomy 6, Tammy, okay, where it says that Jesus told us in Matthew 22 when he was challenged, so the, the, the lawyer came up to him and said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says, oh, man, I don't know, there's 630 commands. I'm not quite sure. You want me to pick one? Can I just start listing them off? He didn't say that, did he? But rather, he summed up all of them. He said, upon these two commands, because we'll get to the loving your neighbor, hang all the what? Law and the prophets. So the greatest command of them all is from Matthew 6, 5. When I used to do the WANA conferences, in one of the classes, I used to ask people, what was the greatest passage in the entire Bible? invariably, people would tell me, what? John 3.16. I'd say, yeah, that's a great passage, but that's not it. And it would go through dozens of verses where people were trying to come up with, you know, John, you know Romans 10 and all these kind of things. No, that's not it. That's not, I, look, and people are looking at me. I have it on good authority that I know which verse in the Bible is the most important verse in the Bible. And so they look at me. You know, somebody may guess it, you know. But in the ones that they don't, they look at me and go, what did Jesus say when he was asked? Where did Jesus go? When he asked, was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, from Deuteronomy 6, from the Shema, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Now, that's what it says in Matthew. In Deuteronomy, it says, with all your strength. Okay, But you shall love the Lord your God with all of you. Is really just, you can do heart, soul, mind, you can do heart, soul, strength. I don't really care what it is. The idea of it is, is going through all three realms, body, soul, spirit, that you are supposed to love God with all of you. If anything is being held out, then something's being missing. Romans chapter 10 talks about salvation. That's an important verse too. Anybody know Romans 10 verse 9 and 10? Say it real loud. If what? All right. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the, where's the, where's the mic at? Okay. I got it. You said there, Mark. Where's it at? Chuck's got it. Oh, you got to turn it on? All right. I can stand there next to him. Sorry, Mark. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Okay, so David, you got the mic. All right, so where do I have to believe? To believe in your heart. What happens if I believe in my heart? Then you have righteousness. Yeah, but what's going to happen next? So, well, you're going to confess. You're going to confess because, with your mouth. Yeah, what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. That's exactly right. Do you see that? We always look at that verse, and people always talk about a sinner's prayer. It has nothing to do with sinner's prayer. It has everything to do with what's going to happen in your life. What is in your heart is going to be displayed in your life. If you really believe something, if you really believe something, you're going to what? Talk about it. It's just going to come out. Well, we are to trust in Yahweh with all our our heart. It's going to then pervade everything in our life. Psalm 37 says, do not, what, fret. Do you see I got that underlined in the red? How many times do you see it up there? Three times, right? Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Do you believe that? Trust in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Well, what does that look like? What does it look like not fretting but trusting in Yahweh? Well, it means I'm going to delight myself also in Yahweh. He will give me the desires of my heart. I'm going to commit my way to Yahweh. I'm going to trust also in him, and he will then bring it to pass. He shall bring forth my righteousness as light and my justice as a noonday. I need to rest in Yahweh and wait patiently for him. I need to not what? Fret because of him who prospers in his way. Have you ever looked at others and said, why do they? I mean, they don't love God at all, and yet they're making all this kind of money. This doesn't seem fair. 
Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, which means what? You're having it. If it tells you to cease from anger, that means what? You're angry. What are you angry about? Probably about this person who, who's getting all the money and you're not getting it and you're kind of frustrated at God. and says, cease, stop it, stop it, forsake it. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Who's it cause harm to? Usually you're to yourself, heart attacks, um, uh, ulcers. Thank you, that's where I was going. That's exactly right. Okay, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait, trust, have confidence in, rely upon, those who wait on Yahweh, they shall inherit the earth. Do you believe it? We just don't see it right now. But that's where faith comes in. That's the faith of Abraham. That's the faith of Noah. I mean, can you imagine 120 years building a boat when you never saw rain before? With everybody mocking you? But then all of a sudden, blop, 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 starts happening, right? And where are you? You're on a boat. Where's everybody else? We believe, we believe, but it's too late. It's too late. I bet you there's a whole lot of believers dying in the flood. How many believers do you think there will be in hell? 100%. They just waited too long. Do you get it? Do you get where I'm going on that? Trust. Trust in Yahweh with all your hearts. If you do that, then you will in all your ways know him. The word yada is the word to know. Now, I don't have time to to fully develop yada. I've done it in the past. But again, clearly Jesus said in his high priestly prayer for the disciples, this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. In all your ways, literally here, make him known. Paul said, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the what? Glory of God. The word doxa in its origins literally means reputation. It takes on the tone of doxa, of, of glory, because we talk about the reputation of God, and it's what? Glorious. But do you realize that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, and whatever you do, you do to the reputation of God? You are revealing, if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say that you are following after the God of the Bible, the creator God who created the heavens and the earth, then you are a representative of him in everything you do. You are the ambassador. Just think about all those, uh, the Inquirer and all those other magazines and how they, they loved it, had put all those things about uh, Prince Charles and, and, and Princess Diana and all that kind of stuff back then because they were representing what? The crown. England. That's exactly right. And, and they love to get us all the juicy gossip on it and make it all look like what? Fools. You are representing the ultimate crown. You are representing the ultimate king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. You are his ambassador. And whatever you do, you are making him known. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not, we'll talk about it in a second, upon your own understanding. In all your ways, where am I at? There we go. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Make him known. Know him. And he will what? He'll direct your paths. We'll talk about that promise in a second. Secondly, we're supposed to then fear Yahweh and depart from evil. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. You can go back to that second message where we're talking about the, the whole maxim of the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, the wisdom and knowledge. So you can go back there because the fear of Yahweh is a command for us as believers today. Again, Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh, I persuade men. It's not an Old Testament thing and then all of a sudden it's the love of God in the New Testament. The fear of Yahweh and the love of Yahweh go hand in hand. We are to trust Yahweh with all of our hearts. Secondly, in that, 
the other side of it, the flip side of that is, we are not, we are not to trust in our own understanding. I put the word binah up there because, remember, we spent a lot of time talking about bin and binah, okay? Did anybody offhand remember what bin and binah would mean as opposed to chokhmah? Anybody remember? What's chokhmah? What word is that? That's the word for wisdom, okay? So wisdom is chokhmah, okay? Bin, binah, is practical wisdom, if you would, practical knowledge, so whereas chokmah is more in the moral realm, binah is more in the, the practical realm. And so um, Bezalel and Aholiab were given great binah. They were given great wisdom in, in understanding and how to do all the work of, of the tabernacle. Okay, So we are not supposed to trust in our own understanding. I'm going to pick, Zach, it's great you're here today. I'm going to pick on you if you don't mind. Zach used to work with me here and there, right? Now you do your own thing. I mean, he's way past me, okay? But there are many times, Zach can confess to you on my behalf that I had no clue what I was doing on, on, on a home improvement job, okay? I mean, I literally would sit there and I don't know what the next step is, but I know someone who does, and it wasn't Zach. Sometimes I'd ask Zach, okay? Who knows? God knows. The creator, the, the master designer of the entire universe who placed it all together, he knows. He is chesed in emet. And so if I want to know what I need to do the next time, all I need to do is do what? Lean not on my own binah, but to turn around and place my security and my trust and my reliance upon him who knows all things. Acknowledge him in all of my ways and he will what? Direct my paths. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? In Sunday school, as we started the the little thing in Sunday school, I went to John 14 and John 16. Jesus said to his disciples, and I believe that includes us, it's profitable for you for me to leave. Because if I go, I will send you my my Holy Comforter, the Holy Spirit, right? He's not going to come unless I go. But if I go, he's going to come. And he, when he comes, is going to lead you, teach you, guide you into all truth. Do you believe that? You don't need Pastor Bob. I know a lot of pastors are like, <gasps> did he really say that? You don't need a pastor. Now, God placed within the body pastors, teachers as well, for the purpose of instructing and helping you to learn. This is one of the things I want to help you learn. And that is, you don't need me to teach you the Bible. Because you got the Holy Spirit. I mean, good night. Why would you listen to me when you can listen to God? Does it make sense? You just have to what? Want to. You just have to do it. And so as we talk about Sunday school, he's given us, to whom much is given, much will be required. I mean, we have, you can go through Esort or Blue Letter Bible or Lagos or whatever, and you can look at the Strong's Concordance thing there. You don't even have to go, go through the whole big book like we used to have to do in our day, right? But now, just electronically, you just kind of click on the, that blue number, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, here it comes. And then you can actually right-click on it and say, search all, and then boom, all the different, ver- you know, they're all there. And then you can click on it and go to that verse. I mean, it's just so amazing. You can, you can research on the Greek. You can research on the Hebrew. You can break apart the different par- parts of speech on it. You have so much opportunity to study the Word of God. The question is what? Do you? Whose understanding are you relying upon? All these are, again, opportunities this requires not being wise in our own eyes turn with me to proverbs 26 proverbs 26 these are ouch passages you know because nobody wants to hear that they are what wise in their own eyes but i promise you that until you came to Jesus Christ, the first step was already there. You were what? 
wise in your own eyes. Proverbs 26, beginning at verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he what? Be wise in his own eyes. Who is the fool trusting in? We already saw this in a previous verse, right? Who's the fool trusting in? Himself. That's why he's wise in his own eyes. And so we're told not to act like him, not to answer like him, not to become the fool like him, not to be wise in our own eyes. So when you see someone who's talking the fool, think about this now. What should you do? Don't tell me walk away from him. Because the second verse comes in, right? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So answer a fool according to his folly, and, and you'll become like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he become wise in his own eyes. So if you see a fool who's, who's speaking in his folly, what should you do? Confront him with the truth of the word of God, which means what, Chuck? You've got to know it before you can speak it. And I want to challenge you that you're, it should be like Nehemiah when, when Artaxerxes says to Nehemiah, so what do you want me to do for you? What did Nehemiah do? He prayed. How fast? Very fast. Because it, it was like he's standing there for the king. He didn't say, wait, king, I'm going to go pray. I'll be right back. No, he lifts up a quick prayer right now saying what? Help me to have wisdom. We're not told what he says, but that's in my mind what he's saying. Lord, give me wisdom right now. At that very moment, I have an opportunity. I'm knocking door to door, and someone gives, asks me a question. I am not ready for that question, right? But instantly, I have to what? Lord, give me wisdom. Help me out. I don't want to talk according to my own what? Understanding. What do I want to do? I want to acknowledge Yahweh in all my ways. Okay? Go to Proverbs. Proverbs. Um, oh, Satan 26, verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. These are pretty ouches. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but have you ever been wise in your own eyes? At that moment, what does the Bible say? You're pretty hopeless. Unless you what? Figure it out. Verse 16. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes. Why? James 1, verse 22 to 25. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who beholds himself in a mirror. He beholds himself in the, in the glass, in the mirror, and goes his way, and straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso being is a, looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We deceive ourselves all the time. We think we're wiser than we really are. Okay? So, it requires not being wise in our own eyes. Secondly, this requires what? Great humility. Because pridefully, honestly, pridefully, we all want to think what? We got the answers. We don't need any help. Hey, can I help you? No, no, man, I got it. I got this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but boy, I got this, you know? But that's it. At that moment, when we, we are too proud... To receive help, we're becoming wise in our own eyes. Sadly, the primary place that we see that is in our relationship with Christ. Oh, I don't want to bother him with this little thing. I can handle this. God gave me a what? For me to use. A brain. Good. You guys, God gave me a brain for me to use. Really? That's a true statement. But he certainly wants to help me what? Use it properly. So it requires great humility. The consequences. If you trust in Yahweh with all your heart, oh yeah, I've got to do Jeremiah 17, and I have another one too. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, thus says Yahweh, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from Yahweh, for he shall be like a shrub 
in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in Yahweh, in whose hope, mitbetach, so trust is betach, in whose hope, mitbetach, is Yahweh, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes, but its leaves shall be green, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will, will it cease from yielding fruit. So, again, two people, right? You got those who are trusting in Yahweh, and those who are what? Trusting in? In man. In their own understanding. What happens to the guy who's trusting in Yahweh? He's blessed. What happens to the guy who's not trusting in Yahweh? He's cursed. Proverbs 28, verse 25 and 6. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. We just read this a little bit again. But he who trusts in Yahweh will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So, consequences. If we trust in Yahweh, he shall promise. He shall direct our paths. Literally, he will make our straights, our paths straight or prosperous. The word is yashar, which literally means to, 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 to go straight. Do you ever think about when you're, when you're um, um, driving along the road? And I don't know, today, you know, we got Google Maps and stuff like that. And so I'm thinking right now, driving to Pittsburgh, right? And I get to northern North Carolina, and all of a sudden on the map, it's solid red, dark red. What does that mean? It's a delay, not just a delay. I mean, it's a major delay. I don't see the construction or an accident or whatever. And it, all of a sudden, I, and this happened to me one time I was coming down. All of a sudden, you know, I had about five hours left. And instantly I watched my time I had left on my trip go to six hours to seven hours. And I'm thinking, this is not good. So instantly, what, what does Bob want to do? Detour. That's exactly right. We're fighting. So I was talking to somebody on the phone. Actually, in fact, I think it was Eddie. You're, you're on, Eddie. And I think you, you remember that because I was coming to Lake Norman. Anyways, and so I said, Eddie, I'll talk to you later. And so I hung up on Eddie and I pulled off the side of the road and I started looking for a detour around. But even taking the detour, it wasn't a what? It wasn't a straight path. It caused me to meander everywhere and it still was fully out of the way. Make sense? God wants to take me on the straight path. He wants me to take me on that path that's going to be prosperous, where I can redeem the time and redeem the other things that he has given to me. Secondly, if we do not trust in ourselves, it will be health to our navel, literally, that's what it says there, and marrow to our bones. It will be health to the flesh, but to the navel. Okay? You know what your navel is? What's your navel? It's your belly button. Good, okay. That's another term for it. What is it, though? What's your, what is your navel? That's where you connected to your mother. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> I think mean, all these mothers ought to know this. <laughs> it's, it's the umbilical cord. It's the remains of the umbilical cord. What was the umbilical cord? It's the place where you were fed. Did you have to eat? No, you didn't have to eat. It was kind of like having the, the, in the hospital, you know, and they, they got the thing going straight to your stomach, right? I mean, it's just kind of being dumped into you. You know, you're really not eating. You're not enjoying it one way or the other. You're just, your, food, your body is getting nourished. That's the idea. That if you don't trust in your own understanding, and you are trusting in Yahweh, then just inwardly, you are being nourished you're being fed you're thinking wow where did i learn this from that's kind of the joke again about remember saying preaching the message three weeks in a row and people were like well i think i heard it someplace do you realize jimmy how many times now have you have you read through the bible you're on your your seventh time how much more do you know now than you did back on the first one? First time a lot more how much how much does does it sneak out of in your in your speech sometimes now What was it? It was Isaiah 12. How many? Wait, 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 stop. Somebody quote to me Isaiah 12. I mean, that's that's like right on the tip of your tongue, right? What's it say? How cool is that? 
It just starts flowing out. I mean, it's like, oh, where did that come from? It's just sneaking out on me, you know? If you are placing your trust in Yah, in Yahweh, and you're reading his word and being filled with it, then it's just going to nurture you from the inside out. It's really kind of cool. It'll be strength to your bones, marrow to your bones. What's the marrow? It's the inner parts. It's just that inner... Where, what, what happens in the marrow, Dr. Steve? Blood cells are produced. Blood cells are produced. How important is that? That's pretty important. That's pretty important. <laughs> Aren't you guys glad you got blood cells? I mean, really, for real, okay. So what else happens there? Uh, platelets, okay. And so these things are important for what purpose? For clotting, for clotting my blood. You, you're glad whenever you get a cut or whatever that you, you got those things in your blood, that God designed you. That all happens in the marrow. Now, so God uses the illustration that even when you read, it's down that deep into who you are. It's strength to your bones. It gives you confidence. Bold as a... Lion, brave as a bear, bold as a lion, okay? And so, Hebrews chapter 12, or 12, 4, you said 12, 4, and instantly it was Hebrews 4, 12. You referred to it earlier, David. But yeah, it's ahead in my brain. It's 4, 12. And, um, but we had just read Hebrews 11 and 12, and you said 12, 4, and I just kind of chuckled to myself, and it was just kind of bouncing in my brain, you know? And so here I go messing up too. So Hebrews 4, 12, but it's, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any, what? Two-edged sword, able to divide asunder between the what? Soul and the spirit, and the bone and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of my heart. How cool is that? I mean, you can, I mean, the soul and the spirit? Who can split that thing out? God can. God knows whether it's spiritual or whether it's emotional. God knows whether it's spiritual or whether it's social. God knows. Yeah. It's either your personality type or it's a lack of spirituality. And you know what? God's the one who, if you acknowledge him in all your way, he'll let you know. Because too many times we want to be wise in our own eyes and blame the other. It's just my personality. It's who I am. It's who God created me to be. It's just how I am. No, it's called sin. Make sense? Hezekiah trusted in Yahweh. 2 Kings 18 Verse in chapter 18 and verse chapter 19. Um, turn with me there. I do want to end with this. We're only going to look at a couple of verses as we come through. I'll fly through those verses for you. But it's, it's, a, um, it's a good couple chapters to go through. Chapter 18, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. So 2 Kings 18, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old. How old was he? Was that young? Yeah. What do 25-year-olds, I mean, if you're 25, I'm not picking on you, okay? What do 25-year-olds act like today? Yeah. No, good. They're, they're starting to act more like teenagers, okay? And teenagers are acting like, anyways, we won't go there. And so, but the reality is that because of the way we, we've... There's no maturity in, in, our, in our land today. And, and lack of spiritual. The average 25-year-old. Yeah, yeah, all you excluded, of course. And so, um, but no, a lack of spiritual maturity. So, and, and there was even in biblical days. Really, that's why this is being stated, okay? He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Avi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the sight of Yahweh according to all that his father David had done. I'm not talking about the other ones in between, right? He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broke it in pieces, the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For under those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. How do you know that he was doing what was right in the sight of God? Because you can see it. It was manifested. Verse 5, he, Batach, he trusted in Yahweh, God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to Yahweh. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which Yahweh had commanded Moses. How do I know Hezekiah trusted in Yahweh? 
it was manifested in his life. He walked in obedience. Mm, isn't that something? Okay. Drop down to verse 17. While you're dropping 17, I want to read verse 7 because I meant to read this. And Yahweh, because of all that, Yahweh was with him and he prospered wherever he went. This goes along with what we were just looking at. Okay. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Verse 17. Then the king of Assyria sent Tartan, the Rapsiris, and Rabshakeh from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to King Hezekiah. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the Folder's field. And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and Joaz, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah that... Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence, this is a not batach, but it's batachon, which is from batach, clearly, okay? What confidence is this in which you batach, in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you batach, in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Stop for a moment. Look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Now it's fun to have fun, but you don't know how, okay? So who is he trusting in? Who's he trusting in? Yahweh. Yahweh, his heart. Yahweh, we know that. But look at what the world's going to say. Verse 21. Now look, you are betaching, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leads, leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who betach in him, trust in him, have confidence in him. Rely upon him. But if you say to me, we, Batach, in Yahweh our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall not worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and he will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servant and put your batach, your trust, in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Drop down to verse 28. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew. So he's speaking to all the people, trying to to, uh, scare them. And spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Is that a true statement? Yes. Yes, 100% that's true. Hezekiah, in and of himself, will not be able to deliver Jerusalem from the hand of the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria had proven that with all other secular kings. He's wiping right through them. So, the statement is a true statement. Okay? Don't let him deceive you. He's not going to be able to deliver you. Verse 30, nor let Hezekiah make you patach in Yahweh. Ooh, now the attack isn't just on Hezekiah. Where's the attack? On Yahweh himself. Now we got fighting words, right? Yahweh, saying, Yahweh will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Drop down to chapter 19, verse 8. Rabshakeh goes back. To, and, and, and speaks to um, the king of Assyria. Verse 8, Sennacherib comes back with more. Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he heard that he had departed from Lachish. And the king heard concerning Tirhacha, the king of Ethiopia, look, he has come out to make war with you. So he sent again messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. He knows who Hezekiah is trusting in. Get it? He's just throwing out all this deception. But Sennacherib knows. Isn't that kind of cool? He knows the testimony of Hezekiah. He'd already wiped through Israel, northern Israel. They had no trust in Yahweh. And he wiped right through them. But he knows Hezekiah is holding true to Yahweh. Drop down to verse 15. Then Hezekiah prayed before Yahweh and said, Oh, Yahweh, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God and you alone of all kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth 
Incline your ear, O Yahweh, and hear. Open your eyes, O Yahweh, and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly Yahweh, the king of Assyria, the kings of Assyria, have laid waste the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they weren't gods. But the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they were destroyed. They destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Yahweh, our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are Yahweh. God, you alone. Drop down to verse 35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of Yahweh went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when they arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, no doubt, and went away, returned, and remained in Nineveh. Now it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch his god, that his sons Adrimelech and Sharezer struck him down with a sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Ezar Haddon his son reigned in his place. How easy it would have been for Hezekiah to go make that pact with Egypt. That's the temptation to go to Egypt. To find somebody bigger and badder than, than, than Sennacherib, who's going to come to my defense. But then he'd be, what? Placing his batach in man. And placing your batach in man will always lead to destruction. But Hezekiah stuck it out. Even when it looked like it was all over with. I'm going to trust, I'm going to betach in Yahweh with all my heart. I'm not going to lean upon my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways, believing that he will what? Direct my paths. And what did he do? Exactly that. Over 180,000 troops died in one night. Ready for this? Because of the faith of one king. Because one king stood in faith, believing that Yahweh would deliver them. And he did. And he did. Do you realize Jerusalem fell one day to Nebuchadnezzar? But the kings of those days didn't trust in Yahweh. Do you know who they trusted in? The broken reed Egypt. Isn't that kind of interesting? What an epilogue. When you trust in man, destruction follows. If you trust in Yahweh, Yahweh is chesed and emet. He will always, always be true. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. He will guide you. He will instruct you. He will lead you into all truth. That's assuming that you know him. That's assuming that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. If you've never come to that point, that first step of trust, today's the day. Behold, today's the day of salvation. I've got to always say that. I don't know. I don't know who you, whether you really know. You don't know whether I really know. But in the end, who or what are you trusting in? You may say, well, I trusted in Christ for salvation. Okay, fine. Where are you at today? What are you still trusting in? Are you wise in your own eyes? Is your opinion better than everybody else's opinion? Just think about that one for a moment. Trust is like faith. Its existence is made known through the actions of the person who possesses it. What are your actions declaring through your life? Finally, is there a need to change the way you think 
and therefore change the way you act. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Help us to trust in you with all our heart. Lord, help us not to, um, to, to lean to our own understanding, not to be wise in our own eyes, but to acknowledge you in all of our ways, knowing, trusting, believing, having confidence in the truth of your word, that you will lead us into all truth. You will guide us and direct our paths, our ways, that we might honor and magnify you. Oh, Father, I do pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, that you would draw them to yourself. But Lord, for, for those who are your children, Lord, that we wouldn't become complacent in becoming full of ourselves even now, but that we would desire to grow in trust that you might receive the glory in Christ's name. Amen.